0: Hello, this is Ken, your RV navigator.
1: And Martha, the co-pilot. And we are here
0: in South Texas on a fairly cold day in January 19, oops, 2007. Oh, yes, I'm so last century. That uh, we are speaking to you, as I said, from South Texas, and we're trying to enjoy some some great weather here. But uh, unfortunately, the weather has not cooperated. And if you're in another part of the country, you're probably enjoying ice on your power lines and houses and RVs, but we The weather are
1: is only great here as compared to other places.
0: Yes, and it's not all that great right here at the moment, but uh, we are enthusiastic uh, uh, participants in the RV lifestyle here in South Texas. And uh, when we mean South Texas, we mean south, south, very near to the Mexican border.
1: Down in the valley.
0: Down in the Rio Valley, where we are staying here for a month or so as we uh, get ready to travel on another RV caravan, which will probably be part of our RV Navigator shows in the not-too-distant future. Um, We've enjoyed our caravans, and this one will be our third. And we will be uh, headed down to the Yucatan for 44 days. But for the time being, we have other interesting topics to talk about. And here, uh, that we're in a park that has about uh, 1,200 RV sites. Although it's interesting that they're not all RVs.
1: No, this seems to be the pattern here in these large RV resorts. Uh, certainly on the perimeter and sometimes sprinkled amidst the rest of us are what they call park models. These are inexpensive trailers that have been rolled in here and then the wheels are removed and they put skirts on them and when you don't look at them very closely they just look like a nice little house the people who have purchased park models here in the valley tell us that it's often a more economical way to stay here than to uh... rent by the month if you're not an RVer and you don't want to move around anymore so this seems to be a very good solution for people who want to have a winter home in this area without spending big bucks
0: and by big bucks we mean uh, you can buy one of these uh... mobile homes uh, park model type of travel trailers. Uh, they're not travel trailers because you don't move them, but you can buy one here in the park for less than 20000 can stay in the park uh, for on the order of $1,500 a year, plus utilities and things. And they have a very nice, what they call the bullpen, which is where they store mobile RVs such as ours so that uh, we could actually make our home here and travel from this location to other locations rather than living in the cold north. And And live
1: far more economically than we do now. Fortunately, our
0: drive down here this year was quite uneventful. Um, You remember that last year we ran into an ice storm, and and the year before we had another ice storm, and this year we drove down here and the weather stayed pretty much the same for the entire drive. Um, But it still takes us uh, four or so days to drive the 1600 miles it uh, is from home to here.
1: The place where we're staying is called a resort, as are many of these sorts of campgrounds. And, And it took a while for me to wrap my mind around that word because to me a resort is a place where you Um, are in Jamaica or Bermuda and you get three meals a day and massages and um, (laughs) a very luxurious lifestyle. They don't come around to do massages. (laughs) And for the RV lifestyle, this is a very luxurious lifestyle, but it's not quite the same. And when we were still working and didn't have as much time to RV as we do now, I would look up my campground book and I would see these resorts listed and they would have tariffs of 40 to 50 dollars a day. And I could could not wrap my mind around that either. I thought, why on earth would you want to spend that much money to stay in a nice campground? How nice could it be? But uh, now that I'm retired and have the opportunity to take advantage of these places, one thing that's very clear to me is that these RV, RV resorts are not short-term stay places. So they'd be happy to take your $40 or $50 uh, a day fee, but the way this turns out to be a very wise economical experience, as well as a good time, is to stay for a long period of time. And that's why we have decided to stay here for a month which is the longest we've ever stayed anywhere in our lives and Except at home. and uh that brings the price down to a far more economical per day fee and gives Below you a chance and gives you a chance camping is to really take advantage of all the facilities and activities that are offered at these resorts and that's what makes them a resort
0: and most of the people stay much longer so
1: typically 2 or 3 months
0: yeah and a lot of people leave their RVs here. So we don't know exactly how many are traveling people like us, but I don't think we've met anybody who's here for as short a shorter period as we are, unless they're just staying overnight. No, um, they no, do have no, some overnight spaces nobody too. Nobody
1: seems to be as restless as we are.
0: As restless. Well, today's show is going to have some very interesting topics on it, we hope. And I'm going to talk a little bit about uh, some direct TV and dish issues, and uh, DVRs and TiVos. And oh, we went to an RV show and some highlights there. And can you replace all of your digital electronics with? just a laptop and get rid of all the other stuff. The big question,
1: that would be nice. And have
0: just one device. This is called convergence. Anyway, so we well, could
1: go back to a camper van. Oh,
0: yes, we could not have all these things, but we're going to get into the technology aspects of RVing and uh, and in just a second here. But uh I think maybe we'll start off by talking about this uh, fairly interesting article that we found in the Where to Retire. Where to Retire magazine from February, January, February 2007. And this article is titled, as I have it here in my hand, Action Packed RV Havens. This is the first time that I know of that uh, this magazine has actually featured places that RVers can go and find Action-packed havens.
1: Because generally this magazine is designed to help people who are about to retire decide where they want to live and if they want to relocate to another part of the country. And they do a lot of research about how much it costs to live in a community and what the weather's like and what there is to do there. And they've kind of done the same thing in this article, but um, researching RV resorts, the kind that I was talking about that uh, you want to stay at for a longer period of time.
0: And, of course, it's written on a very basic sort of uh, form because most people who are reading this are totally illiterate about uh, RVing and its issues. But it's still is kind of interesting from our perspective. The the main featured picture is of a Class B motorhome, which you probably would not be spending a lot of time in. But the places they list are are kind of an interesting selection. We are the restless sort, as we mentioned, and we're always looking for the uh, perfect place the perfect place and that when we find it we will settle down and and uh, just RV for short periods of time from that location now that's that's maybe an if but uh, that's what that's our goal, is to find the perfect place to live and then to settle down. They list the first one as Yuma, Arizona.
1: We've not spent a long period of time in Yuma, but we know that that's a place where many Northerners like to spend the winter because it is one of the warmest, sunniest places in the United States, uh, certainly the warmest in the Southwest and it features many RV resorts like the kind that I was talking about which are large campgrounds with activity directors and clubhouses and and a myriad of different indoor activities and athletic activities and a rich and varied social life And these are the kind of places in Yuma where you would want to spend the entire winter. And the fact that Yuma in and of itself is not all that interesting of a town doesn't really matter because the reason that you're there is for the active life in the campground.
0: But they make some good points about the fact that it's on the Colorado River and that uh, it is a growing uh, community and that it has uh, fairly nice weather in the winter, of course. Um, and that's why some of this is a little bit misleading because these are not all winter type of resorts that you that you would go to. We should mention that Yuma is substantially further north than we are right now, and the temperatures that we're experiencing are close to uh, close to freezing. So Yuma is probably even experiencing a little bit of snow, which you have to go really far south to get.
1: But that's unusual.
0: Uh, I guess so. I don't know. I, I think Yuma is a little cooler than it is here. And the temperatures here are usually in the mid-70s. The second place they mentioned is um, Hill City, South Dakota.
1: We've spent some nice summertime in in that particular area. And the first time we went there, I was just shocked how much there was to do. Uh, I think we had budgeted a week, and we... Only scratched the surface in terms of all the activities. Um, it struck me as a place that families would enjoy as much as retirees, and you could do a lot of active outdoor nature-y. I remember looking at caves and going on horseback riding and things like that, as well as the um, the national monument and and the city of Lead, which is an old um, mining community where the town has been very quaintly preserved. It was the, all very the interesting. Lands,
0: right. But it's interesting that uh, they don't really have any resort type of, of uh, campgrounds to stay in. And the one they mention here uh, that you might want to consider if you're going to that area is the KOA, which they have listed as um, 30 to $40 a night, which would get to be fairly high. Uh,
1: but I bet they have cheaper weekly rates.
0: It says it doesn't. That's the point here. No well, extended stay rates. South Dakota has south a, Dakota a limited season. It Has a limited season, and you wouldn't want to go there for a limited a long time like we are here. And then the third one they mention is uh, the Rio Grande Valley of Texas, which is where we are now. Last year we stayed on the
1: in the lower valley near in the Harlingen area, and <laughs> 10 now miles we're so further south. And now we're in the mid valley, which Mid-Valley. is in the McAllen area. And we're
0: in the uh, in far at the moment, far. Uh, says that they have 16,000 RV sites and is the home of the winter Texans. And we certainly would believe that. As we mentioned, we're in a park that holds over 1,200, and there are numerous other large parks uh, within a short distance of us. And that means that there's lots of things for us winter Texans to do, and uh, they they keep you busy. One of the great things is, is that all the Branson performers come down to this area in the wintertime, and do their shows for much less money. A
1: few things I might say. Last, last time we came down here, we stayed in the Harlingen area with an eye toward going to Padre Island and the ocean periodically because it's much farther east. But it was still a 45-minute drive to the ocean, and certainly in January and February, the seaside was not a place you wanted to be. It was just too cold and too windy. Uh, now we're in Mid-Valley, and we aren't planning on going to the ocean at all, but this area seems to be more highly developed in terms of uh, stores and movie theaters and restaurants and, and things to do. Uh, so that's a little better choice, in my mind, when the weather is iffy, because you have some alternatives if you don't want to go outside.
0: And that that's... That's an interesting situation in the valley here um, because you do need to find things that uh, that don't happen inside. The next one they mentioned is, indeed, Branson, Missouri. Not sure exactly how it is in the winter, but there are no performers there because they're all down here.
1: (laughs) Well, some of them (laughs) talked about going back in February, but I don't think I'd want to camp in Missouri in February.
0: And let's see, I don't think that they mentioned that there are any really... Inexpensive campgrounds. Monthly rates are $400, $500, which from this area is a little expensive, but not bad. Uh, Myrtle Beach, South Carolina. Oh, talk about <laughs> Campground City. And they have some beautiful campgrounds that are that are right on the ocean. And uh, I don't think that uh, January is such a good month, but certainly most of the rest of the year would be a great time.
1: We've had it. some great experiences there in springtime. Uh, we used to go there during our spring break, and it was a good time to be there because there are so many campgrounds, but most of the locals had not come. They go there in the summer to get away from the hot, humid air air of the interior of South Carolina. So we had a choice of many, many campgrounds, many different spaces. And one thing we really love doing there is riding our bikes on that hard-packed sand, which goes on for miles. Yes,
0: and they mentioned that, uh, as as probably most people know, is, is that Myrtle Beach has 115 golf courses.
1: <laughs> and probably that many mini-golf courses, and Probably too. that many
0: mini-golf courses, too, yes. So if you're into golf, that's it's definitely an exciting place to go. And plus, uh, they mentioned that uh, something that's happened since we were there last is, is that they now have numerous uh, grand old Opry type of... Uh,
1: Branson-type music entertainment. M- uh,
0: yeah, and it mentions that they have now six. There was just one when we were there. Um, four or five years ago and so that provides lots more fun and entertainment and I'm sure they provide uh, great times for you to spend ways for you to spend your evening. Um, St. Augustine, Florida. We've spent some a little bit of time there but not a lot. Once again you want to go as far south. We are now about as far south as Naples so that that's a little further north than us but uh, I think that that would be a very nice area and probably not too touristy even and they mention here 275 a week 510 to 575 month we found the florida is a bit more expensive than texas, texas is although that's not why we're here but uh that's certainly something to consider so anything about st augustine
1: no we really haven't spent enough time there it's no, not, not really. very vivid in my mind
0: so you'll have to give us some reports w- or listeners about what you think of st augustine and the next one is a surprise to me the wisconsin dells
1: which we always laugh about being residents of the Chicago area, and it is very commercial. But uh, one thing that they've and, done and great that, for kids. that people uh, in the Midwest appreciate greatly is they've built huge indoor water parks. And when the weather is cold and icy, to be able to get on your bathing suit and slide down and tube and play in the waves is, is a really a nice way to spend a weekend. But I would think this is more of a family activity than But a, this
0: magazine is called Where a to Retire. A retiree's activity. <laughs> I'm not sure that retirees, well, if you... This, I mean,
1: this retiree would like
0: yeah, but I don't know if the average retiree, and I don't remember there being any resort resorts there. Well, and
1: you need a place to bring your grandkids, too.
0: Mm, that's something that could possibly be. And they mentioned that there are one day free per week for extended stays. Otherwise, 35 to $43 daily for your camping. So that's six times 43. And the last place they mentioned is someplace we have never been. That I know of anyway, and that's we've been to New Hampshire, but we've
1: been to Franconia Notch, so it's near there. Uh-huh. It's this
0: is Danforth Bay, New Hampshire. And they mentioned that is a great place to visit and spend some time. And that's a summer. resort.
1: And and as they mentioned, because the Northeast is more the most developed part of the country and real estate is the most expensive there, these kind of big campgrounds are, are hard to find. And my impression of camping in the Northeast was it was just generally more expensive because things are where it's more crowded. But this sounded like their effort to make a, an active adult resort uh, of the kind that we've described in other parts of the country. But obviously you would only want to spend the summer there and maybe the fall color time, and then you'd want well, to
0: head south. And they mentioned April to October rates, which <laughs> 3150 $3,150, which. <laughs> Which you look at me and kind of sh- and surprise, and that's uh, around here uh, a whole year would, uh, leaving your RV on your site, for instance. But even uh, for the full season is only about uh, $1,500 to $1,800. So this is at least double what it costs around here. And they're talking here about $42 a night for camping. So if you're on a retiree's budget, you do have to watch the, the bucks, And uh, maybe we need to yeah, write a, a letter to And a to, family,
1: too. yeah.
0: So I anyway. So uh, this magazine is available at most uh, places that sell decent uh, magazines, and you might want to take a look at it. Another thing that I found in uh, in the magazines, um, I get a Motorhome Magazine, and if you don't get this and you're interested in reading about uh, connecting your car up to the back of your of your RV, they have the dinghy towing guide this month which is a really good magazine, and I learned a lot because, um, as you know, we're fifth wheelers, and so we don't really tow a dinghy, but I was interested in kind of all of the details, and they talk all about uh, the different kinds of Class A chassis that are available and the, um, the connections that you use to connect up your dinghy and which dinghies can be towed and whether they can do it on four wheels down and what you got to do with brakes and lights and uh just all of those uh, tricky details are listed in this guide that's a pull out guide to the it must be the January issue of of the uh magazine pulled it out and threw away the magazine <laughs> and it doesn't have the the date on here so I will have to leave that up to you, but I just got it. So if you're listening to this uh, in January, that uh, you can probably go out and buy it now. Otherwise, it's probably available on the web. Uh, basically, a good magazine if you're, if you're into motorhomes. And this is good because they list all sorts of other things besides just uh, the dinghy issue. And now, we read that uh, RV Today, and we've been trying to, to tape it, but RV Today is, it's interesting that I still use the term tape try to record, record
1: it. it. But RV Today has been cancelled because the station wants more sports <coughs> oriented programming. Excuse me. Goodness knows there's plenty of sports oriented programming it's on, on the all the other channels. outdoor channel but
0: I w- I've been surprised because I typed into my to search for RV and it came back with TV which is the Canadian program which I've never been able to get before uh, except for very short stays in uh, places that had it on the cable and all of a sudden I now can record that. I won't make any comments about these two but uh, they have have a very different take and a different uh, approach to things, and uh, and the more RV shows there are, the better, because you get all those good tips and and walkthroughs of of RVs and places to visit, and so we're sad to see that uh, RV today is taking a temporary hiatus. We also want to mention that uh, if you're thinking about uh, RVing, of course, you're probably thinking about getting a satellite dish for your satellite TV. Of course, there are two companies that do this, DISH and DirecTV, and that there has been a fairly big problem uh, of recent times with DISH because they no longer can provide you with distant feeds of the TV channels, ABC, NBC, and CBS. So if you're out someplace where you cannot uh, receive these signals over the air, then you will not be able to get the major channels. And of course, I include Fox because there is, uh, there's been a dispute with uh, among the bigwigs about. Uh distribution of these channels. This has not affected TV, which is what I have. Um, I guess I'm lucky just at the moment. But we still get the New York feeds of NBC, CBS, and Fox, and ABC, so that we get uh, the, the channels regardless of where we're located, as long as we can pick up a satellite signal. We have been getting them continuously, so there has been no problem. But apparently the DISH people are in bad shape. So you might want to consider uh, if you're deciding, if you're thinking of getting a satellite dish you might want to consider getting DirecTV instead of uh, DISH at the moment. DirecTV is also, at the CES, they announced they announced that DirecTV would be receiving 100 channels of HD uh, during 2007. So that, uh, that's a good news, too. Although at the moment, DISH offers far more HD programming than does DirecTV because uh, DirecTV only has like mm, less than 10 channels at the moment. But if they boost it up to 100, that'll make for great view. And as a matter of fact that may take us uh, to our impressions of the RV show that we visited here in the valley. We like to go to a couple RV shows just to see what's uh, coming up in the in the RV world and what's changing and I think uh this RV show is interesting because it it has almost entirely uh, the kinds of RVs that winter Texans are interested in. The kind of biggish, um, not very family oriented. Although there were a few bunkhouse models there. For but the grandkids. For the oh, for the grandkids, of course, yes. But uh, basically it was a, a show for the larger fifth wheels and Class As that uh, winter Texans are likely to buy. And there are a lot of dealers down here, so there must be people buying them.
1: We read the show had 150 uh, units on site. I think really? we must All have gone into 100 of them. <laughs> And uh, this year they've built some more uh, roofs and coverings. Uh, this is a rodeo fairground where this show was held, and so and we've all, been to the
0: rodeo there all of
1: them were under a roof, which was not a problem the day we were there, but certainly could be if it was hot or rainy or cold. Um, and so it made for a very nice way to visit all these rigs and see everything close together and, and be able to compare the different floor plans and approaches to decorating that the various companies have. And of
0: course, the higher end models, um, which full timers are always interested in have uh, more and more luxury features, Um, washers and dryers and dishwashers and water purifiers and
1: fireplaces.
0: (laughs) They don't really have fireplaces. They have fireplaces. They have fake fireplaces. (laughs) (laughs) There ain't no fire in that fireplace. No propane.
1: I'd rather have a place to store a few more pairs of shoes than a fireplace. But there
0: was a guy in there holding his hands up and saying, whoa, that's giving off a lot of heat. So I guess they have an electric heater in them that gives off.
1: To each his own. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> and and it's very obvious to to us that this is a transition time for RVs in terms of um, entertainment centers because yes, some of them uh, feature the old kind of built-in TV that we've been seeing for the last 20 years. And we were starting be to Be sure see to listen to
0: the last uh, episode of this RV Navigator podcast because we talk about that.
1: And we were starting to see a few high-def models in some of the rigs. So I would guess in the next few years that's going to be the the way that things will be.
0: And as a matter of fact, uh, a couple of the motorhomes had uh, 42-inch uh, LCD TVs, which of course are quite inexpensive these days by comparison to a few years ago. The, you know, that gives us uh, heart for the future because RV manufacturers are maybe finally understanding the need to have bigger screen and, and flat panel type of TVs.
1: And the other thing I think I'm seeing more and more of, it wasn't that long ago that you just saw the a our, our rig itself and slide outs were an innovation. And then it was, well, how many slide outs does this rig exactly. have? And now they, up to five. Now they have um, extremely long, large slide outs that are virtually the full length and, of the vehicle.
0: And they call them full wall slide outs, which if you haven't seen are quite impressive because it gives the interior a very uh, open sort of feeling but and it allows for many new uh, floor plans. As a fifth wheeler we notice that there are lots of different floor plans here. They're getting actually having rooms um, so that you have a back end which might be a kitchen with a door and then then the middle might be the dining room and then uh, or the living area and then the bedroom bathroom uh usually upstairs but they have many other interesting designs including ones with the the living room uh, above the the, the cab, and then the other areas behind that. And, you know, all the slides with the kitchens and how much counter space you have and all of these issues um, are there to be seen, and every manufacturer has its own solution to these, to these interesting dilemmas that we face. In a limited amount of space, you know, an RV has maybe 400 square feet, and that would be fairly large. They have to make some serious compromises. And certainly a
1: floor plan dilemma that we didn't appreciate when we bought the rig we're currently in is um, access to the dining area when your um, slide outs are in. Our current rig is virtually unusable and uh, what makes my rig nice when the slide outs are open is that I have a lot of counter space in the kitchen island but that's what keeps me from getting into the refrigerator or opening any of the cabinets when the slide outs are in. So compromises definitely have to be made.
0: Whereas the Class A's are almost all usable while you are traveling because that's one of the advantages of having a Class A motorhome is is that you can go to the bathroom and do a little cooking and things while you're underway, and so they all have that as a feature. Whereas the fifth wheels, if you want to stop and have lunch, uh, are a bit of a problem many times because you, you have to either slide the slides or you have to <laughs> crawl around or over or under things. And, and even then sometimes you can't get into the refrigerator or... Or into drawers that you need to, where things would be. So, our solution to that is to carry the refrigerator in the in the back of our truck, the little cooler that plugs into the battery,
1: and plan the
0: picnic. And plan the picnic, but uh, we're revising that as we as we move along in years, and we're deciding. Uh, what our next RV configuration will look like. And, of course, there were all sorts of uh, vendors. There were 90 vendors there selling all sorts of good stuff, Uh, little gizmos and gadgets to uh, keep the sewer smell out of your RV, which we've never had a problem with, but these little vent things and uh, towel racks for the back. And, you know, these people make all sorts of crazy things, including, you know, window covers and parquet Little, or I don't know, sewn things.
1: <laughs> the thing I'm remembering that is also there is uh, vendors from various campgrounds. Yes. And we talked at length to a woman who has a private campground right outside Big Bend National Park, which is about 300 miles from here, um, and not a very direct, not very quick drive. And this is a national park we've never visited, and she has shown us enticing pictures. And we might be doing a podcast a few months from now from Big Bend National Park if we Ooh, decide to go Big that Bend. route. Big Bend. So that's another nice another nice thing to see at at these RV shows is um ideas about places to go once you have bought your RV.
0: And I think every part of the country has an RV show um de- bigger or smaller depending on where you are and if you're shopping of course this is a great place to go and look and see exactly what suits your particular needs as you uh travel down the road. Uh it would might be a good idea to talk to a few people though besides uh, the salesman because there are some things that you can learn just by listening to podcasts like this and to uh, your neighbors and friends as you're as you're camping.
1: Depending how fussy you are, too, we also yeah. saw some really good deals. They yes. had a few brand-new 2005 vehicles for sale, um, heavily discounted in immaculate condition, of course, never been used, so you could, if you were lucky, come across something that would fit your needs and also fit very nicely in your pocketbook.
0: But they did have old technology, so... We couldn't possibly consider buying one of those. So, by the way, I should mention, if you're interested in getting high def, you have to have a 3LNB dish, and it is somewhat bigger than the 20-inch dish that you've seen before. It's more oval-shaped and has three little uh, antenna receivers in the middle.
1: Is it harder to aim? Is it harder to aim?
0: Yes. You have three axes that you have to be concerned with, up and down, side to side, and then you have to rotate it so that it's at the correct tilt.
1: Something you wouldn't want to do manually.
0: Yes, you can do it manually, um, but it's going to take you a little bit more time. We bought a gizmo. This is something else is for sale at these shows. Uh, we bought a gizmo that helps you do these things and lets you see exactly where the satellites are in the sky. I've always had a tough time um, because I, I, for a long time I had a manually pointed dish and, you know, a little tripod outside and i take it outside and I could never, I never knew exactly where the satellites were. I
1: wouldn't see him for hours. But you did have TV. Eventually. <laughs> Eventually. <laughs>
0: <laughs> well, when you're in kind of a tree sort of area, it, it's it's finding the, the direct spot. So I bought this this gizmo that uh, which is advertised in the back of all of the r v magazines, and it helps you point it 's got a compass on it and some mirrors and things, and you a little like a telescope thing and you you aim it at where, it's, where the satellites are, so that you can see if you have a clear shot at the satellites because if your dish is sitting there and there 's a tree branch, and it would seem very obvious that you could take the satellite dish and just point it at the point in the sky, but you don 't know because the The signals are bounced off the dish and into the antennas. You can't tell what the angle is that they're being bounced off of. If that makes any sense, I would be very surprised. But suffice it to say that pointing and aiming your satellite dish is somewhat more difficult than you maybe have first anticipated. And this little gizmo, a plastic, it's about six by six with a a compass on it, uh, works pretty well to find that point in the sky where your satellites are. Of course, I have to find now four satellites while I'm aiming, so that's why I bought the automatic one. Alright, so that was uh enough for the R V show. We spent most of the day. It was fun.
1: Well just fun to see the new rigs and be able to compare them right next to each other. I really like that.
0: Yeah, the different brands and and the different trim levels and to see the different uh, uh, fabrics and that sort of stuff.
1: The only thing that can get tedious is that this show is very popular and people keep coming in and coming in and coming into an RV and you can kind of get trapped in the <laughs> rear bedroom and you can yeah, never get out again. the Class again. A's are
0: that way, aren't they? The Class A's, we were surprised that... Uh, oh, uh, the diesel, diesel pushers all have the door in the front and the gas...
1: They needed traffic the lights. Middle,
0: yeah, I wanted to talk about a couple of things today. Hmm. Can laptops replace individual components in your in your system? In a very interesting article, uh, <laughs> and I don't know if I agree with this. This is in Highways Magazine, which is uh, from um, the Good Sam Club, and this is in the uh, this is in the January 2007 issue, and it's called "Toss the TV." And he makes the point. This is by Jim Cooper. And I'm not sure if I uh, agree with Jim, but he he contends that toss the TV in favor of having your own laptop that receives uh, all the signals. His point is convergence is taking over the world and that your computer can be your one point of contact for all sorts of information. Of course, we know that it does email and web browsing and and things like that uh, probably holds your music if you're like us. His point is is that if you get a 17-inch laptop that you can actually turn that into your TV set and it has the advantage of being able to be used outside and is portable. And Whoa! I don't know. We have a, a fairly large TV and I really enjoy having a large high-definition. Of course you know, most uh, laptops wouldn't be high-definition and yeah you could do it and the Windows Media Center models have a built-in TV tuner, but can they record two programs at the same time? Probably not. You um, need two laptops. You need two laptops. I think Jim's article here has some holes in it, but I would be very interested to hear what you have to say. Is convergence an issue? Uh, is is convergence coming down to the point where you only need one machine to handle all of your media needs.
1: Well, and he was talking about using it as a phone too, with a video device as and being able to talk for free to I your family know. and stay in touch that VoIP, way. Yeah,
0: we've had <laughs> mixed results with VoIP. Of course, it's a DVD player. Uh, some of them have uh, optical out, so that you can have 5.1 surround sound. I'm not sure that, as much as I am in favor of uh, technology and keeping things at the right size, uh, or you know, limiting the size of these things. Um, I'm not sure that uh, this is exactly the, the way we should go. It's an interesting read and a kind of a thought-provoking sort of article. Uh, we should mention that um, one of the other things that's happened to us recently is our TiVo died. And I was very upset about this because we are really attached to TiVo. There's nothing like having a, a machine that automatically knows when all the programs are on that you want to record and automatically records them regardless of whether they've changed time and
1: and we find that we only watch Day. TV things that we really want to see yeah, instead exactly. of just what's on. And we watch it when we want to watch it. And we watch easily three shows in the time of two, if not more than that, because you can cut out all the commercials and the promos and the titles mm-hmm. and all that right. stuff and, and just and get yes, right into the
0: show. Well, not only that, but when you, you know, all of your programs are all on one tape or one menu and you can just look through it all and choose what you want to watch. I had uh, 750 gigabytes in my, <laughs> I put a second hard drive in my TiVo. And it died. We lost a lot. And I know we lost a lot of stuff. Man, you can imagine. I mean, that was <laughs> could be hundreds of hours worth of stuff. And of course, it was high definition, so we lost a lot of that stuff too. And I called DirecTV and found out that they were go- They sent me actually for free a new receiver. The other one I paid for. I think I paid eight or nine hundred dollars for that guy.
1: I don't want to hear about it. <laughs>
0: Sorry, I didn't mean to say anything. And they sent me this new one for free because DirecTV is getting out of the TiVo business. And I was disappointed because TiVo is an interface, and, of course, you had to pay for it. Um, I did have a lifetime subscription, but um, still was something that um, the normal person had to pay for. Uh, I mean, I'm a normal person, and I, but you had to pay for for the life of the of the unit, and I was afraid I was going to have to repay because I was going to get a new unit, and the new ones are ver- very expensive. But now Directv has their own brand of DVR, and TiVo is nice, but it had a few limitations, and this new one is just terrific. Uh, one of the nice things is that it has uh, a port on the back for an external hard drive, so that you can add more storage. Well, there are some caveats there, but you can you can add a hard drive for storage, and it has a very nice interface. It's not the TiVo interface. The only thing it doesn't have, and something we never used and didn't like, was
1: oh, where it tapes other shows when it thinks what it knows it what it you like or something or recommended or recommended
0: or it where it tapes automatically. If you
1: like this, you'll like that
0: where it automatically did that. And I always had that turned off. A friend of ours had his whole hard drive filled up because <laughs> they thought he liked NASCAR or something because he recorded one NASCAR program and, and then it just automatically recorded all the stuff. He says, I can't believe my whole hard drive is full already. And, of course, with TiVo, you never knew, whereas this one has a nice little gauge that tells you exactly how much of your hard drive you have left, which is also a very nice feature. Plus, the, the, I don't know, the internal workings of it is dramatically faster, so that uh, things happen much faster on the screen when you press a a command. So I can highly recommend it. Um, This is the same sort of device. It has two recording, two high-definition recording capabilities from DirecTV and two over-the-air so that you can record any combination of those. And they're all high-def, so that you can record the high-def channels uh, either off the air with a regular antenna or from DirecTV, which is also very nice. So this has turned out to be quite a nice uh, machine, and uh, hopefully it will last quite a
1: while. A blessing in disguise.
0: A blessing in disguise, plus the fact that I can't believe that they actually sent it to me so for free. but I've been a customer of theirs for quite a long time, so maybe that's uh, really part of the issue. Oh, I'm sure. I'm sure. And I'm just such a cute guy that they just wanted to make sure that I had I was a satisfied customer and because I have such influence with all of our friends on the other end of this wire. All the people for who RV are listening, navigator, we're gonna so go exactly. right
1: out and buy one. Yep. Unsolicited testimony. Unsolicited
0: testimony. Well, we're very happy that you tuned in. Uh, please keep in touch. Remember, our email is navigator at rvnavigator.com. So this is Ken, your RV Navigator, signing off for January 2007.
1: And Martha, your co-pilot, hoping to see you at a campground near us.
0: And in actuality, that may be the case because we are actually on the road and we may see you in a campground near you. Bye now.